Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. When I first heard my next guest, Lisa's story, immediately she reminded me of me. She's got these huge dreams and she understands that they are all within her reach. In fact, she's currently living them out as we speak in Paraguay. Lisa grew up in Northern California where she became a licensed marriage and family therapist. So you're probably wondering how she ended up on another continent. Well, Lisa had a deep desire to travel, explore the world and learn about culture. But that in itself isn't what got her there. She didn't end up in Paraguay overnight. Lisa had to overcome her fears and be persistent in the pursuit of making her dream life a reality. She's here today to talk about what it was that sparked things into action, how everything unfolded, and what her life looks like today. I am so excited to dive into all the things with you. Thank you so much for being here. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. What an intro. I love that. <laughs> I felt like that's totally me too. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. You in a nutshell. Okay. I have a quick confession to make before we get going. Yeah. So after I heard your story, like I was like, okay, this, this is me. I messaged you like you're my spirit person. I have you and, a, and another girl, Dr. Jody Carrington, who are, you're both my spirit people because uh-huh. oh, I'm going to have to look her up. I, I don't yeah. know her. <laughs> like that, this girl is me, like, she is just doing all these incredible things. And then immediately what came to my mind, I don't know why it was like, eat, pray, love that movie. Um, Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, I, in my homework for recording the podcast, I was like, I have to watch that movie, because there was something about like your story, and what you're doing and where you are. And I'm like, I that's my homework. So I watched that movie before um you just did. To, like, yeah I was like I just that's so it. funny because I've actually never seen that movie myself <laughs> okay so after we record you need to go find that movie and yeah that totally I actually think it's on Netflix right now isn't it I don't even know I just bought it yeah. off of tell us yeah. yeah so you're gonna have to go and check it out yeah and see if it yeah see if it resonates <laughs> I will I will Okay, so I want you to take us back. Can you walk us through and tell us a little bit about your childhood and what that looked like? What was it like growing up for you? Oh my gosh, wow. Um, so I, um, I would say that I had a very like sheltered childhood. Um, I, um, gosh, I haven't talked about my childhood in a long time. Um, my my mom was very, um, I was just thinking about this the other day. It's so funny that you asked me this. My mom was very, I would say, controlled. Um, and, and because of that, she was very controlling of me. Like, um, there were certain things that I liked and I wanted, either wanted like to have or to wear or to do, but my mom made all the decisions. Like, um, I wanted to wear my favorite shoes, but it was like, no, you can't wear those today. You have to wear these. Or my mom liked turtlenecks. So I had to wear turtlenecks to this day. I won't wear a turtleneck. I mean, it's like <laughs> anything that's around my neck is like, ah, you know, I can't <laughs> yeah, get it off. Um, so my, my life as a child was very controlled. My, I had a, I would say a good relationship with my dad. Um, but it was also like, he, he's very, he's very stoic, like very, um, you know, just doesn't express a lot of emotion. And then my life changed dramatically when I was 10, my mom was diagnosed with cancer, a brain tumor when I was nine. And, um, at that time they, they told her that she had six months to live, but she kind of didn't want to believe that. But I mean, it was, there was kind of, there was no other option. It was definitely a, a fatal brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And she did live only about another six months. And she died when I was 10. 
And at that point, my life changed dramatically. Um, I would say that I, uh, I, I actually, I don't know why I was thinking about this the other day. It was so funny that you asked me this question because I was thinking about something my cousin said to me um, when I saw them uh, just a couple of years ago. My cousin who used to babysit me during that time when my mom was sick had said to me, that she remembers asking me how I felt about my mom's death at that time or how my mom was sick. And that I told my cousin at the age of 10 that I don't remember if it was that I said I was happy or something along the lines of, I don't, I don't care. It doesn't bother me because now I'm going to be free, you know, something mm -hmm. like I, and I know that I felt that way. I remember feeling that way. I don't remember those exact words that I said, but I, I know that I did feel that way. And so I don't remember being terribly sad about my mom dying. I'm sure that I was in some way and I probably stuffed it down a lot. I know that I, I had some abandonment issues. I've done a lot of work in therapy about that. Um, but then after that with my dad, um, my dad went into a deep, deep depression. My mom was like the love of his life. And so as a teenager, I look exactly like my mom, like, identical. If I showed you a photo of her, I'm basically her, but with blonde hair. My mom had darker hair than me. And so I think it was really hard for my dad um, seeing me grow up and look exactly like her. So my dad and I butted heads a lot. I ended up moving out when I was 16 to live with my boyfriend. Um, so I had kind of a rough teenage years, but, but I always knew that like I was going to go to college and I was going to have a career and I was going to do all these things, even though like, you know, I, I was kind of rebellious and, you know, my dad and I didn't always get along. I just knew that I was like meant for these bigger and better things. So I would say that was my, that was my childhood. And that was probably part of the reason too, that I went into therapy, like went into being a therapist because I just always wanted to understand why people did the things they did, why they thought the way they thought, and also myself, like understanding why I thought the things that I thought and did the mm -hmm. things I did. So, yeah, I was curious about that because I thought it's either one of two ways, like mm -hmm. either she had a really free childhood and traveled the world and that was something <laughs> to continue, or she didn't travel or see the world or get up and that's why. Yeah, no. And I think um, my mom died. My mom died when she was forty-one because I was ten. So I, that would have been. It was in ninety-one, and my mom was born in nineteen fifty. So she was forty-one. I actually just turned forty this year, and so I'm one year away from being the same age as my mom when she died. Um, and my dad died in two thousand thirteen. So he died. That would have been eight years this year. Mm. And so in 2013, like I, I did, I kind of had this like epiphany. That was my first epiphany where we're like, you know, life is so short. Like both my parents died before they got to do anything. Like my mom died when she was 41. She did, she did nothing. Like she worked and had me like, I mean, yeah, those are like, okay things. A lot of people do that stuff, but like she didn't like live she didn't like accomplish any like grand dreams or like see the world or like I don't know just nothing exciting and then my dad like literally worked until three weeks before he died literally and and he had all this money he saved up and he also he did nothing like nothing he was depressed for I think from the time that my mom died until he died like, and that's, that was so sad to me. So sad to me. And I did not want to be that person. Like I, before my dad died, it was always like, Oh, I'll do that stuff when I retire. Oh, I'll do that when I'm older. Oh, I can't wait to do that when I save up to, you know, for retirement or whatever. But what the fuck am I saving for? Can I pass on here? Like, is that okay? <laughs> you know, like what, what am I waiting for? Like life is now like, I might not live past 45, you know, considering my, 
familial track history. Like, what, what are we waiting for? I need to do this stuff now. Like, why, why can't I? Who tells me I can't? Oh, I love that. I love that <laughs> so much. And I think uh, I resonate with that because one of my dreams or was to move to BC and be in the mountains and have the outdoors like accessibility. And when I told people about moving, um, I had like a stable career. I was building me a pension. And they're like, well, just wait 30 more years. And oh my God. That, give, that gives me anxiety. <laughs> like what? Like, no, I don't, I don't want to wait 30 years to live the life that I yeah. dream about. And I'm excited about like, I want to do that now. And like, yeah, the pension, like you might use it. I might not even make it there. So yeah, I totally believe the same that. And you know, during that, yeah, it, during that time that I was kind of going through this whole, like, you know, oh, I, I want to live outside of the country. How can I do that? And going, going, going through the struggle of, do I keep like doing this like life here and saving and doing everything right, quote unquote. Um, I also listened to the four hour work week on audio, which I don't know if you've ever heard of with like, I think it's Tim Ferriss. But anyways, he has a little blurb chapter in there about retirement and like saving for retirement. And basically it was like, you know, you would need, I, I can't remember exactly how he puts it, but it was like, you would need like, it was like an obscene amount of money to keep up with inflation costs and all of this. If you wanted to have money in a retirement account, like an IRA or a 401k or something like that. And I thought, Oh my God, like I'm, I'm never going to make that anyways. And he talks about like other things like investments and things like that. So that's my new plan, you know? And it's like, I don't need to wait years and years if I'm just going to do things like, you know, housing and investments and things like that. I can do what I want now rather than, what every other American thinks they need to do, which is save for the quintessential retirement where they can like live this like free life and, you know, do what they do what they want. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. There is a way thinking outside the box and doing the unconventional yes. and yeah, creating. I, That's thinking outside the box is like my motto. Like I, if I need to solve a problem, I feel like I am a think outside the boxer. That is my that's my thing. And were you always that way? Or is that something that came later? I, I think that it's been something I have um, cultivated over the years. Like, I think it's always been inside of me. But for a long time, I like had to, it's just been like turned off or dormant or something. And then, um, like I said, like after my dad passed away, and like, I you know, and years and years of therapy. I think the years and years of therapy has really helped me come a long ways. But then after my dad passed away, like, I think it was just like, uh, you know, I got to do like something like, you know, ch changes in you. There's like a switch that gets flipped or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we go there and figure out like what that looked like, after your mom passed and you had moved away at 16 and with your boyfriend, did you and your dad end up repairing your relationship or kind of connecting before he passed? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I had moved out for three years. I moved out till I was 19 and it's funny, like that boyfriend and I like broke up, like, we were, we were together for two years after like 16 to 18. And then we broke up and his mom and I had such a good relationship that she was like, you know, you can still stay here. Like I had my own room in the house and everything. Like, she's like, you can still stay here. Like, it's fine. Not a big deal. And I did. And then it got to a point where it just wasn't serving me anymore. Like I, I don't need to be here. And at that point, I mean, it wasn't that my dad and I weren't talking at all. Um, you know, I would call him occasionally or go by and see him. It was just that it didn't work for me to live there anymore with him at that point from the last of my high school years. But after 18, he and I were talking a lot more. I was seeing him a lot more. I was driving. I had my own car. Um, I was like pretty responsible for myself. And I was like, I think I'm just ready to move back in. Like I... I don't think this is going to be a problem anymore. I'm, I'm over 18. He doesn't have that. I know him. I know that he's not going to try and like 
control me like when I was, you know, a teenager because now I'm, I'm an adult. And, and that was true. He didn't. He, you know, he was, it was fine. And so I, I just asked him like, hey, you know, I'm ready to come back. Can I, can I move in here again? And he was like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't even really a discussion about like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it was, it was just so far like in the past that it was, yeah. So from that point on, um, I went away to college, um, moved out again. When I came back from college, I moved back in. Um, and then I moved out and got my own play, like my own apartment from there. But we had a decent relationship. We were never like super close. But like I said, my dad was very stoic, like didn't express much feeling, was very like we didn't hug. That's just how he is though. It it wasn't anything like he wasn't angry. It wasn't anything personal. It's just my dad. Mm. Even like, even at my wedding, it was like he came and he walked me down the aisle but like he didn't want to wait for dinner so he he left after the ceremony and and like I had friends coming up to me going like your your dad left are you okay and I'm like it's fine like it's just my dad like I know how he is like it's not a big deal (laughs) um but that's just that's just him so we were fine like by the time like he passed away in 2013 everything was fine okay so then 2013 comes along a switch your dad passed there's a switch inside of you. Like, where were you at that point in your life? Were you still married at that time? Yeah. So we, I'd actually gotten married in 2012 and, um, he, my dad had walked me down the aisle and part of me was like, I'm a, I'm a big fate person. Like if something's meant to be, it's meant to be you know, signs from the universe kind of person. I'm not a godly person, um, but I'm a fate signs meant to be kind of person. And I thought, oh, you know, I like fate helped me get married a year ago so that my dad could walk me down the aisle kind of thing. Um, So I was still married and, but I, I don't know, even something at that time, like when my dad passed away, you think that you would lean on the person that you're with, like to kind of like help you get through that. But something even in that moment, like pushed me away from the person that I was with. Like, I just feel it felt like I needed to even be free at that time. Like the person that I was with was more interested in the money that I was getting from my dad's death than anything else the things the money and the things and I was just like ew like I think I yeah I think I just I need to like be alone or not with this person but I pushed through that but yeah we were still together I was still with somebody Mm. so you are a marriage and family therapist so did you Mm -hmm. find any of um like your education and experience um did that help in your own marriage or like, I know, I believe that some marriages are, are um, like can be worked at and worked out and worked through all the stuff. But I think that there's some that you just, that aren't like putting like that are, that are complete and done and it, and they shouldn't be worked on because they're just not working. Like in your right. own marriage, did you use some of the tools that you um, use with other people or was it at a point where there was no right it I agree with you I do agree with you um it's really hard to work on your own marriage by yourself so of course like like I could see the stuff I could see that there was things breaking down especially like <clears throat> so like he wasn't the same person that I had met we were together for a total of 10 years married for five but when we met in the beginning, that was not who I divorced in the end. He was a totally different person. Um, but when I saw things breaking down, I was like, we need to see somebody. Like I could tell, like, this is not, this isn't going well. Yeah. Um, and so we went to some counseling there in the beginning, you know, when it started to break down, I would say around, was it like 2000? 14 or 15 was kind of when we started going together. And then we went back together around like 
2017, 2018. Um, but it's hard to work on your stuff as a therapist by yourself because you don't see all of the shit you can tell but it's like you, you you're kind of blinded by some stuff so you need somebody else's help but I do agree with you that some marriages are really savable um and some aren't and at the earlier points I would have said yes like this is we need to work at this but the problem was is that I felt like I was the only one working <laughs> and then over time, it seemed that he was getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And it just, I think, pushed me away to the point that like, I, I just really wasn't in love anymore. And I was like, tired of being treated that way. And was just kind of done with it all. And on my end, I don't think it was salvageable. I think it was one of those second options where he said it just wasn't, there's no saving it, it wasn't gonna work. Yeah. So when you when that kind of came to a head and the marriage um ended um what was that what sparked your desire to explore the world or where did that spark come from yeah so um the the second spark so the first one would have been my dad passing away the second one was um we my husband and i decided to host for an exchange student and I've always wanted to host a foreign exchange student. This wasn't like a, on a whim where somebody was like, oh, we need somebody, or I saw a flyer, or, you know, it wasn't, was not that. This was like way back when I started grad school, like in 2005, I worked with a lady at the job that I was working at the time who she actually placed foreign exchange students. And I remember she would bring her binder to work. And she would have all the pages of exchange students in there. <clears throat> and she would talk about like placing them and they had had like two or three in their home, like not all at the same time, but you know, like one after the other. And she would talk about the experience and like how great it was and enriching and all of that. And I just thought that was the coolest, like most fun thing. It just sounded so awesome. And I've always been interested in learning about other cultures. I remember my multicultural class in grad school was super interesting to me. And so I thought to myself at that time in 2004, this is so me too, I'm gonna do that someday. <laughs> like that's, that's exactly, this is the kind of shit I think. And then I do do it someday, I really do. And so in 2016, here I am. And I tell my husband, like, this is my dream. I've always wanted to have a foreign exchange student. I talk about it like it's a dog, but like, <laughs> I said, we're in a place where we can host one. Like I have a good job. You have a good job. Like we have a nice house. Like we're going to, we're doing this. And so I did, I found out all the information I went, got, we, we went through the Rotary club. We got our first foreign exchange student and he was from Brazil and it was, it was the best experience. Like I would recommend, I would highly recommend it. It was so fun. So amazing. The best experience. Since it was driven by me and my husband wasn't really into it, um, he didn't always enjoy the experience. It wasn't like, I was the one that did everything with our foreign exchange student. I, I would go on road trips with him. I would take him these places. We would like do things I've never done before. Like I, he wanted to go to like basketball games and baseball games. I'd been to a baseball game before, but I'd never been to a basketball game. We drove up Highway 101 in California, which I've never done, but is like very um, historical. We'd gone to places in San Francisco and LA and I took him to Reno and we went up to Oregon and Washington. I mean, we did all these things Wow! and great experience. And then he invites both of us to go to Brazil. My husband is is very negative so he was like oh, I have to check off work this and that all these things can't do it okay well I'm going because that's like the trip of a lifetime yeah, <laughs> really? yeah. so I go and while I'm there I I mean I was just like I could literally like I had this thought I could literally never go home and I would never look back I would have no regrets about that like, this is the most amazing thing ever. Like, like, it's not like you go to 
Cancun in the resort. I mean, that is like that it, to me, that is like not going out of the country. This was like, I'm in the depths of Brazil. Like I don't speak any of the language. Like I'm seeing, like you're legitimately seeing another country. I don't know. I was just blown away. So I fall in love. Brazil still has my heart. Like I say, I will live there someday. That's another, I will do it. And, <laughs> and I come back and, and my attitude is like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't mean like literally, I mean like in the U S like, I don't want to be in the U S anymore. Okay. Can we pause for a sec? Before yeah. you went to Brazil, had you traveled like anywhere else really around the country, out of the country? I, I had only been to, um, Mexico, like on okay. a couple of cruises and that's it. Okay. And so I go on this huge trip. I come back. I am like, I need to get out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to live in another country and I'm going to figure out how to do it. So my husband is like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But like, how am I going to get my boat there? And I was like, who gives a fuck about your boat? Like, <laughs> we're going to sell all this shit. Yeah. And yeah. And he's more concerned about his like possessions and I could give zero shits about it. So at that, that was like the moment that I was like, this isn't going to work. Like the, I don't, this isn't, this is not going to work. Like my, I was already, I mean, I think it had died for me the year before, but I also was like, my passion for wanting to do this was also greater than that. Mm. So that was my second epiphany. <laughs> that exchange student, did that exchange student do for you what you did for him when? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he really realizes that, like what he did for me in my life. I don't know if he really realizes that. He knows that I'm living down here now, but I don't know if he really realizes that that was like kickstarted by him. Mm. And what was it specifically about the trip or the experience that you came back and you're like it's really yeah it's really hard for me to put that in words it's like oh it was just this I, I like I, I can't even really put it into words it was just this experience of seeing that there's more out there than just the United States that we're not like we're as in the United States, we're not like the best country in the world. Like other countries actually have like functioning. Here, I'll give you a perfect, I'll give you an example. So when I was getting ready to go, um, I went and got some vaccinations because they have like yellow fever that's required in Brazil. You have to get certain required vaccinations. And so I was getting my vaccinations and the, I was getting them at a CDC um, approved location and the lady who works for the CDC she was like okay so while you're there don't drink any of the water don't brush your teeth with the water from the faucet don't get into any like ponds or lakes or you know she's giving me all these warnings and stuff so I'm like thinking oh my god like what kind of place am I going to like this is like scary and so I ask my exchange student about this and I'm like do you like brush your teeth with the water like you know can we like he's he was planning on taking me to his they have like a vacation home that's like on the lake and I'm like do you guys go swimming there and he's like yeah it's fine like we, there's no problem like you can brush your teeth you can't even drink the water out of the faucet but like the fear mongering that goes on in the U.S. about some of these things is like it's really not that scary out there and I think that for me was like wow like I just really wanted to see more like the world is so big, but also at the same time, not really. And I just couldn't believe that I lived my life without this, this desire to know more of it, or that I had just let the United States, like put these ideas in my head that, that it's so scary out there and we can't leave, I think is how I felt. I don't know if everybody feels that, but I felt that way once I made it out of the country and was like, oh my gosh, it's really not that bad out here. <laughs> Yeah. And there's really amazing, incredible, friendly, nice people that I want to know more. Like, like the kindness of people out there is totally different than Americans. And I wanted to know more of it. Mm. Oh, I love that. So yeah, you were hooked. You were moving. Mm -hmm. How did you, um, 
what, what are some of the action steps? Because you had to get over some of your fears, yeah. <laughs> be consistent and keep going in the face of adversity. So <laughs> can you walk us through what did that look like getting um, to Paraguay and how did you even choose that as the destination? Yeah, so um, I don't know if I should start at like, the the divorce or start with like the actual steps of like getting my things prepared and moving where, okay where let's go to the divorce because that kind of disconnects you and leads you yeah. so um when i got back from brazil i spent another year just kind of like i just really wanted to get out i had this feeling of like i need to get out of here I really tried to reconnect with my husband, really tried. We went to some counseling sessions. Um, he went to some individual counseling, but he only went to a few and then he was like, oh, I'm good. You know, it wasn't like, I just didn't feel like it was really trying, but you can't force somebody. But I really, I really tried to get us doing things that gave me those same feelings of like adventure or like experience something other than this normal mundane life that I had been living for the last however old I was 35 or something at the time and so we did we we did some things but he just he just was such a negative Nancy most of the time about it that it didn't make it fun you know <laughs> and so I did that for another year and then in June of 2017 um, a friend's mom had offered to take me to Paraguay she my, my best friend at the time her mom is Paraguayan um, she had married a, an American um, which is my friend's dad years and years and years before come to the U.S. to live and then she goes back to Paraguay to visit her family a couple of times a year and she's like hey you love Brazil why don't I bring you to Paraguay and you can meet my country and we'll take you around you know show you all the things and whatever okay great so me now being totally committed to this like travel thing and wanting to learn all this stuff I like studied my Spanish I took like it was like a course like Rosetta Stone I mean I listened to it in the car every day I mean I learned so much Spanish I mean I could I could totally get by while I was there and so I go for a month I had a great time. I And I told her, I was like, how long do you go? And she's like, I usually go for a month. I said, great, sign me up for a month. I want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so she bought me a ticket for the same amount of time as her. We go. I had a great time, like toured the country with her family. Great time. And while I was there, my husband was a terror to me. Like, like just berated me while I like send me horrible text messages. It was just awful. I ended up, I ended up no, just ignoring him for the last two weeks because it was just, it was horrible. I came back and I knew what I had to do. Like, I, I just can't do this anymore. I, it didn't, it pretty much made my decision. And so I think he was expecting me to come back and apologize for, I don't know, whatever I, he thought I did wrong, leaving him for a month or something, even though this trip had been planned for like six months. And so I came back and I was like, I want a divorce. And then all of a sudden it was like, what? I'll do whatever you want. You know, I didn't know you felt that way. I don't know how he couldn't know I felt that way. We went to a couple more counseling sessions, um, but it was basically just me reiterating that, no, I, this isn't going to work for me. I, I really want a divorce. Like, this is not workable. I don't think I can work on this. Yeah. So I ended up, um, I did, I moved out. Um, by September, I got, I'd gotten back in beginning of July. I moved out um, by September. My lease started around September and I had the papers like delivered to him, like within a couple of weeks. And our divorce was finalized in April of 2018. I had a friend come visit me in the U S um, from Paraguay. And then he and I went back together um, in May of 2018 because I wanted to find an apartment in Paraguay. I felt like I had the most to like support there um, as far as like all the people that I had met and everything. Um, so I went back to Paraguay, found an apartment. This was in May of 2018. And I mean, I just made the decision. I, I, 
I found a way to make money like online. I originally thought maybe I would do um, teaching English. Um, so a lot of people teach English online and mm -hmm. I could even maybe teach English there. So I was like, oh, I'll teach English. So I got a certificate to teach English, but then I found that I could do therapy online. So I was like, great, I'll do that. That's my wheelhouse. So I ended up just sort of, I completed the English course and everything, but I ended up not having to do that. <laughs> but think outside the box, right? <laughs> whatever gets you there, whatever. Yeah. Works, yeah. So I made the decision I would do it, got the apartment, furnished it, did all this in a month, came back in June. And then June, July, and August were spent like, um, so I had gotten my house in the divorce, but I had to clean it up and um, get it all ready. I was going to rent it out, um, found renters for it. I have a property management company, so they got renters for it, um, did all that, and then sold a bunch of my things, packed up some of them, put them in storage, and then decided on what I was taking. I stayed at a friend's house for the last month. I closed my business, um, and I went, I made the official move to Paraguay. It was September 9th. Wow. Okay. And I brought my 15 year old cat with me. <laughs> <laughs> the cat was coming to made the trip. Oh my gosh. That is incredible. Yeah. So yeah. incredible. And you, you didn't just, you closed um, a successful business. Yeah. Yeah. It was very successful. I Ooh. built it from the ground up from 2009 until 2018 when I left. And yeah, I started it with like, I mean, I had like one client and then I ended it with, I mean, my phone would ring every day with like four or five new clients and I would be referring people out or, you know, whatever. I mean, there was no shortage of clients for me. People knew my name. It was like, I was very well known, but I, you know what I figured if let's say I moved and I hated it, it didn't work out then I could come back after a year and probably nobody would even notice I was gone. I could just pick up again. <laughs> so I figured that would be the worst case scenario. Right. Um, so then you make it to Paraguay. Yeah. So you've been living there for a few Now years. it'll be, um, it'll be three years in September, which is amazing. Three years. And now ask me if I'll move back. Are you moving back to the state? No. <laughs> You're still in storage. What did you store? You know, um, wait, well, two things. So when you're an only child, I'm an only child, and both your parents are dead, um, you have a whole bunch of family heirlooms. And who the fuck are you going to give them to? Nobody. You're not going to give them to anybody. You're responsible for them. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know what to do with that stuff. And some of it is important to me. Like I try to be as non-materialistic as I can. I don't, I don't buy a lot of things. I don't have any knickknacks. I mean, I do have some like um, really cool, like Paraguayan like stuff here in my little house. But I mean, I, I'm not a very materialistic person. I could let go of anything, but that fit this family heirloom stuff, things that have memories attached to them. I mean, then I just felt like I couldn't throw it away or how who, nobody's going to buy that. It's only special to you. Mm -hmm. So I saved that. Um, and then because, and eventually I'm going to have to go back and clean this stuff out or decide what I'm doing with it. But I didn't know if I was going to come back in a year. What if I hated it? That was my, my plan B. Um, I saved like enough stuff to furnish like a one bedroom apartment, okay. like so a couch, um, my mattress, a TV, a dresser, nightstand, things like that. So have you been back since to visit? I've only been back one time and I actually don't have plans to go back like probably for a long time. <laughs> it's, you know, it cost me it cost me as much money to go to the U.S. as it would to cost me to like go to Thailand or Australia. And I want to go to those places. <laughs> right. So, you have discovered something outside of anything you could have ever dreamed of, really. Like, yeah. And getting I was I was having a blast exploring South America. Um, and then COVID happened. So we've kind of been um, holed up here in Paraguay, which don't get me wrong, we have explored 
border to border everywhere here, um, everywhere. But we have not left the country since, I have not left the country since, um, well, it's been over a year. So yeah, since COVID happened. So you said we, when you say we, who do you refer to, who are you referring to? Oh, um, so I, I now have a Paraguayan husband. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so his name is Alex and um, we met here uh, and, and he actually came back with me in May of 2019. We took a big road trip from the East coast to the West coast. Um, but then I came back by myself actually to do Christina's, um, level up re retreat in February of 2020, which was literally like right before everything was shut down for the pandemic. Mm. So that was the last time I've been, but I don't plan on coming back now for quite a while. For a while. So now you have uh, a para queen. How do I say that? Husband. What, um, is the language Spanish? Yes, Spanish. Okay. So are you now fluent in Spanish? Yes. Um, but he, he actually, it's funny, he speaks English. He had come to the U.S. with me for six months. And he learned English in the time that he was here. Like, totally fluent in English. So it's weird, you know, when you start speaking in one language from the beginning, that's just what you stay speaking in. So we've continued to speak in English, even though now I'm fluent in Spanish. Um, we don't really speak in Spanish. We mostly speak in English. But when we're with his family, we both speak in Spanish to his family. His family only speaks Spanish. That is incredible. Wow. Yeah. So how is your relationship different now in this marriage? Like what are the things that like light you up or is he that adventure? Um, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he's just like me in that aspect where he will do anything like adventurous like that. Like, you, you know, you could be like, Oh, do you want to do like, it could be, and this is partly South Americans. They're very spontaneous. It could be like Friday morning and you could be like, do you want to drive like to this town? It's like five hours away and see if we can get a hotel and maybe go fishing. And, you know, he'll be like, yeah, let's pack our bags now. I mean, <laughs> he's like, I mean, but I love that. I love that. Um, so it's totally different. He's like me in all those aspects. Like we don't really care about like materialistic things or, I mean, we will spend, we will spend all of our money on travel. That's what we have to be careful about is <laughs> like, like we won't, like, we don't care about like having like, you know, the best shoes or, you know, whatever, but it's like, somebody talks about like going somewhere and we'll be like, what? <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> So what yeah, is your, um, your day-to-day -day life like and your career? Like, can you uh, just get up and go now to these places and travel when they arise? Yeah. So day-to-day um, -day life, I, <clears throat> I am working three to four days a week. And um, I do usually have to plan a little bit more now. When I first moved here, it was more spontaneous, but now um, we've got some other goals, some other things we're doing. We are building a house here. It's more of a vacation house, like that we can rent on Airbnb and also use for ourselves. Um, remember, I'm really into investments, investment properties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm trying to work a little bit more consistently so we can save up for that. We're in the process of doing it right now. Um, so I can't be as spontaneous as I like to, at least not during the week, but I mean, I can, as far as like, oh, next week we want to do something and I just have to mark the days off or, you know, things like that. Crazy. Yeah. So, and you're working three to four days a week now, is that your ideal or do you want to work more or do you want to work less? No, I want to, sorry, <laughs> I want to work less. 
I want to work. I, I mean, do you want to hear my ideal situation? <laughs> uh, of course. Yes. Okay. <laughs> my ideal situation. And I, I've put this into the universe, um, a few times now, but my five-year plan is that I would like to have, um, obviously our, our vacation house is going to be built within the year. I would like to have another, I'd like to have a duplex in the U.S. I already have two homes in the U.S. that are being rented. I'd like to have at least, at least another duplex in the U.S. that's a rental property. And I would like, so Alex has a business here that he's babying right now. It's about a year old and we're trying to grow that. And I would like all of those things to be big enough that Alex's business is doing so well that he doesn't have to like be here anymore. All my properties are doing so well that I can just live off passive income and neither one of us have to work. We can just like travel and do what we want. Um, that's my, <laughs> that's my five-year plan. I know that's kind of a short plan, but yeah. Oh, that sounds <laughs> incredible. Yeah. I want to make enough passive income that I don't have to work at all. That's my plan. Yes. And do you think that you would miss it at all? Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. I, when I first moved here, I was doing a type of, um, therapy with, um, have you heard of Talkspace or BetterHelp? Yeah. They're, Okay, there are two like therapy platforms people can sign up and a lot of it is chat based where it's just like text messaging um, with the client, the client messaging the, the therapist. And I was doing that and I, I found that I missed like the face to face contact after a while. And that's when I got more into doing the, the video with my own personal clients. I decided that I wanted to do the private practice a little bit more. And, but, you know, I'm not sure if I would miss in general, if I wasn't doing it at all, because I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if my life would just be so fulfilled with those other things that I love. (laughs) Right. Right. I, part of me thinks that like, maybe I would do like one day a week or something just because I love it. I really do love what I do. Um, but I don't know. It's hard to say. Right. You can get that connection in other relationships and yeah. yeah, it's really hard to say. Well, I think your story is so inspiring. <laughs> well, thank you. The life, the life that you want to live is completely attainable. Um, you just totally. have to- it is. It really is like baby steps, taking small action steps. Like, trust me, moving to Paraguay was not overnight. It was a like. I mean, once I made the decision, the decision was made like in January of 2018. It was a nine month process. So it's not an overnight thing. And, and I had really been like, you know, you stew on it. I mean, I'd stewed on it since I got back from Brazil, but it can be done. It's small action steps. You just have to stick with it and think outside the box. There's no problem that can't be solved. Every problem is solvable. It all has an answer. Mm-hmm. If there's a problem, there's a solution. That's for sure. How did yeah. you, um, how did you get to some of those solutions? Was it on your own or did you have outside support to help you kind of? No, everything, everything is on my own. I don't really have a lot of outside support. I have a lot of friends. Um, and I have, I have an uncle, I have an aunt and uncle and a couple of cousins, but as far as like, um, any other support other than like, Hey, you can stay at our house when you come to California. Um, or like, you know, Hey, we'll, you know, they, they'll do like little favors for me and stuff, but, um, I pretty much, I'm very independent. I take, I got to take care of my own stuff. <laughs> take care of your own. And I, I think that's just because of my childhood, like how I, how I've been raised. Right. Yeah. And not having, yeah, your parents there to fall back on. Yes. Have to keep moving forward and take the steps if that's where you want to go. Yeah. I'm super resilient. 
<laughs> yes, we all are. It's incredible how resilient <laughs> that we all are. And yeah, if it doesn't work out the first time or the 10th or the 20th, yeah. like, keep working on it, find a different solution, try something else because yeah. everything can come to fruition. And sometimes I think even better than you may have imagined. Some Sometimes you might have like a tight hold on this is what it is. This is what it has to look like. But sometimes just like even letting go of that and then something even more beautiful than you ever thought, um, the path is kind of steers you that way too. Totally. Yeah. Okay. I have a couple final questions before we sign off here. Uh, my first one is you have created and designed the stream life for yourself. Is there anything in the queue that you're working on adding or changing to enhance it further? Oh, wow. Well, like I said, um, my five-year plan, <clears throat> I'm actually working with a um, money money coach, I guess you would call him. Um, that's, I mean, <laughs> you and I both know um, Christina, but Christina knows like money has always been my, um, what would you call it? Like Achilles Achilles heel. Is that, what you, <laughs> is that the expression? And like, not, you know, like I have enough of it, but I just need to learn how to like, you know, manage it better and where it goes. And like I said, I could spend all my money on travel. So I have to, <laughs> um, so I'm working with a money coach right now to get me to the places where I want to be, which is owning more properties and investments and things like that. So I guess that would be what's in the queue to get me to my dream, more of my dream life. Right. And I guess that would essentially be, I never thought of it when you said it the first time, but an early retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Just doing the you thing. You know what's funny is I, I already feel like I'm retired. Like, even though I still work here, I don't work like I did in the U.S. Because here, like the dollar goes so much farther. Like I don't, I don't have to work as hard. I don't feel like I'm in that like perpetual rat race you know? Mm. So I already feel like I'm retired early, but, retired? but yeah, but if I, you know, like if I could just get these last little things in place, then yeah, that that's, then I'm going to be living the sweet life. <laughs> Super exciting. Yeah, you will. I'll check back <laughs> with you. Yeah. Where you're at in five years where you're traveling to what part of the world you're in. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so for the people who will be inspired to take the leap and live the life of their dreams after hearing your story, what three pieces of advice would you give them? Oh my gosh. Um, I would say, like, kind of like I said earlier, take small action steps. The stuff doesn't happen overnight. It's sometimes it's months and months, sometimes it's a whole year, two years, whatever. Just take, continue to take small steps towards your goal. Um, there is a solution for every problem. Like think outside the box, you know, ask for help or, you know, maybe change your course a little bit or try something different, but there is a solution for every problem. Nothing is unsolvable. And I would say never say never. I use that all the time. Like you could say like, oh, I'm going to delete this. I'm never going to use it. And then like, next thing you know, you're like, what was that app again? I really wanted to use that. And I deleted it. I mean, it's like, never say never. You could use that for any aspect of your life. Like, I think you could say, you know, what's funny is I said, I had a friend um, when I was in college, I still have this friend, but when I was in college, she did a, um, exchange program through college to go live in Italy for like six months or something and study over there and come back. And I specifically said, I would never do that. I can't imagine ever doing something like that. And here the fuck I am. <laughs> so that's an example of never say never. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't limit yourself. Be open to everything. Yes. Might not be now, but maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> love it. Okay, so my next question is, where are your top three favorite places that you've traveled and what places are currently on your list to explore next? Um, okay, I, my number one is Brazil, number one. I mean, Brazil has my heart. 
I, I don't know if it's because it was the first place that I went to that just like opened my eyes, but my, has my heart. Um, and I would say, <clears throat> this is going to be maybe a weird choice, but, um, I, I really love, um, Washington DC. Every time I go there, it just amazes me at the, I don't know, the architecture there and just the amount of concrete is there that they made things out of. I don't know why, but it's that place just really is incredible to me. And then even though that's not very exotic, I know, but that is one of my favorite places. <laughs> and then I would say the last place, um, I'm going to pick, <clears throat> oh, I feel like I already said, um, Brazil, but this is like on the Brazil-Argentina border, there's a huge waterfall called Iguazu Falls. And I'm telling you, you will see nothing like it in this world. We actually went to Niagara in 2019 and it was like, I mean, it was like a creek compared to this waterfall. It was tiny. Um, this is, this waterfall spans three miles. It's like, absolutely incredible it used to be you know how they changed the seven wonders of the world like they're not always the same it was one of the seven wonders of the world but it's it's on both the brazil the argentina side they share it so the argentina side has you know where you can go see it from their side and then the brazil side has that you can see it from there it's like right on the border but it's amazing those are my three choices <laughs> and actually i have an easy answer for your where i want to go Right when COVID happened in April of 2020, we had tickets, we were all set to go. We were going to, first stop was Peru. We were gonna hike Machu Picchu. That is on my bucket list. And the next stop we were busing down to Bolivia. We were gonna go to the Uyuni salt flats, which is like the largest salt flat in the world and see that. And then we were gonna, we were crossing over, getting dropped off in Chile. And we were, our last stop was Santiago, Chile. And we were just going to explore there for a few days and then fly back to Paraguay from there. But Machu Picchu and the Uyuni Sot Flats would be my, I mean, that's like, I've, I have been dying to go there since I moved here and we had tickets, we were going, and then they got canceled when COVID hit. And I've been bitter about it ever since. <laughs> well, hopefully the, the borders open up like Peru is also on my list and the, the Rainbow Mountains. Yeah. I have got to go, yeah, Machu Picchu, all of it. It just looks so incredible. Yeah. Peru is Peru is open right now. I mean, theoretically, we could go right now, but COVID is just so bad here, so bad that, like, you don't really want to get on a plane and travel right now. Right. Yeah, want the whole experience when you go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Okay, you, you've said a couple times uh, about Brazil. So would you ever go back and live in Brazil? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, my husband and I have talked about um, getting like a vacation house there or something. Also, <laughs> that, that's not on the five-year plan. That would be like a little further out, like maybe a 10 or 15 year plan. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if we would actually live there, but I would, we would definitely own a vacation house there. The, the hard thing about Brazil also is they, their language is Portuguese there. And now I've learned Spanish. So um, it would be like another, I mean, it's easier to go from Spanish to Portuguese, but then it's another like, oh, fuck, I have to learn another language. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, if I had a vacation house there, I mean, we could stay there for six months at a time or, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let me know when you have these vacation rentals. Over. Yeah. <laughs> like where are everybody you? come visit <laughs> <laughs> okay so lastly to close off I'm going to give you one word and I want you to say whatever comes to mind in either one word or one sentence okay okay eat did you say heat no eat oh eat oh um exotic food mm. pray oh um, Buddha. And love. Mm. 
My husband. Love it. Okay, now <laughs> you have to go and watch that movie. Eat I will. Love and let me know what it's you funny, think. It's funny, I have wanted to watch it, so I'm, I'll do that. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I know your story has completely inspired me to keep doing the things and taking the small action to creating a life that I know is available and dream about. And I know that so many people are going to be inspired to do the things that they want to do and live now instead of yes. waiting until. Yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want. So many people used to say, Oh, I wish I could do what you're doing. Well, you can. <laughs> <laughs> You are living proof. You have done it and you've taken the step. So yeah. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.